0: Hello, and welcome to our first Tilney podcast series in 2019. I'm Caroline Connell, Investment Director at Tilney, and today I will be speaking with our Chief Investment Strategist, Ben Sieg scott about the current economic climate as we begin the new year. Before we begin, here is some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or a recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carrying varying levels of risk depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. So Ben, What would be really helpful, we've clearly gone through a very turbulent 2018, is perhaps to do a quick look back at what happened during 2018.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As you say, 2018, the return of volatility, and it really came back with uh, a vengeance. Very volatile market. You will recall, if we cast our minds back to the start of 2018, it started with a bit of a rout, uh, a big dip in the first quarter, but then a rally into the summer, a sort of middle ranking, biding its time summer, and then obviously a dip in the the fourth quarter. Across the board, not a great experience for most investors, particularly those in risk assets but perhaps not quite as bad as many people think. Um, If you look at the main drivers, sentiment hit by politics, particularly Brexit, but also the trade war with the US and China, other concerns, populist measures across the world. And really that helped knock down um, what investors were thinking. The fundamentals are still quite strong. And I think it also helped to look at some of the numbers, what you might see the headlines on the news, big price movements, actually how that translates to investors particularly sterling investors, is somewhat different. We'll take MSCI World, for example, good uh, clear measure of global equities. If you just look at the headline return in dollar terms, it's a dollar index. Most people have seen the MSCI World is down 10%. But actually, that misses out two things. Firstly, in the UK, whilst falling sterling sounds bad. That's actually good in the short term for your overseas investments. Automatically, investments held overseas are worth that much more. And actually, um, sterling rose or fell, sorry, by about 5.5% against the dollar. So, actually, in sterling terms, the MSCI world was down nowhere near as much. Um, It was down 5.1%. But, of course, as an investor, you get dividends back off those as well. So, in total return terms for a sterling investor, the MSCI world was only down 2.7%, not the 10% at the headline level. And that's true across the piece. So the headline numbers might look bad. That's why it's important to look at the effects of currencies and have a blended portfolio and take a sort of total return basis. So a tough year overall. But it has come after several very strong years. So it's not great. You know, I, I invest in our portfolios as well. It's not great to have a year of loss. But again, if you look, just look at the MSI world, previously years 2017, it was up just over 11%. 2016, up 28%. 2015, up almost 5%. We've had a lot of years of strong returns. Markets are volatile. So whilst not comfortable, you should perhaps expect every few years to suffer a small loss. That's sort of the risk that you're taking to get that reward.
0: I think that's one of the things we're, we're feeling. It's certainly that we've had a very long pre- period where markets have done very well. So 2018 felt more marked as painful, I guess, because we've had those good years. Um, So, as we move into 2019, what's our outlook um, for, for the year?
1: Okay. Well, there is no escaping the fact that the outlook is more challenging than it has been in the past, particularly as we face tighter monetary policy. So, finally, the withdrawal of QE, different central banks have been doing this money printing. Up until the end of last year, overall, The Fed reducing, the Bank of England on hold, the ECB still effectively printing. Now the ECB has stopped printing. It's the first time for many years, first real time in the post-global financial crisis period, we don't have central banks buying assets. So that's a level of liquidity that is withdrawn from the system. It forces the, the markets to stand effectively on their own two feet. But against that, a lot is in the price and we've seen prices fall. We talk a lot about valuation and it's really important. The two fundamentals, particularly when looking at equities, is valuation and then fundamentals, so company earnings. So, as we look sort of through those, actually, valuations look quite attractive. And what I think the, the volatility in the markets, particularly the falling in prices, has masked is that earnings have actually picked up. So, throughout last year, company earnings and earnings expectations have been running above trend. Companies have been doing surprisingly well in their bottom line. And what falling prices does is, effectively, it makes it a more attractive entry opportunity. And as we look across the piece, markets down between, say, 5 and 10% uh, over overall at a price level, but actually with earnings growing an equivalent amount, the value valuation gap is is sort of much more significant. And as we look at major markets, actually compared to where they were at the start of 2018, the start of 2019, they're between sort of 15 and 26% cheaper than they were. and Valuation is one of the most important things when it comes to uh, investment discipline. So certainly problems out there, but actually relatively attractive uh, entry point for equities. The areas that I think are a bit more challenged are government bonds. As we said, um, interest rate cycle is reignited. We're starting to see tighter monetary policy. As we start 2019 with um, government bond yields where they are, it looks relatively unattractive. So we
0: expect government bonds? Yes, to increase further from here.
1: Um, I think it's very difficult to see them uh, see government bond yields falling. So, obviously, prices going up, yields falling is a positive thing. When you have uh, UK 10-year gilts, for example, the benchmark only just above 1%, there's not much further it could fall, there's a lot further it could rise. So, I think the timing is very difficult to see, but it's hard to build a particularly positive case, particularly as the outlook here is for interest rates to start rising.
0: Talking more about domestic markets, clearly, you know, something that's, you know talked about frequently and there's a great unknown but but what's our view around brexit what how will that impact portfolios
1: brexit is uh incredibly uncertain unknowable and you know i don't want to pretend that i'm a political analyst in fact when we speak to political analysts we do have a lot of uh contacts that, that come in to talk to us political commentators political analysts the press the average man on the street, no one has any good idea about what's going to come out from Brexit. But that's not to say that we can't take actions in portfolios. A lot of portfolio management is actually about measuring uncertainty, balancing risks and, and potential returns. So, as we look at Brexit, uh, the most direct impact is typically on the currency. Any political event tends to hit currency first and foremost. And actually, we see at the moment, sterling towards the lower end of its trading range. A lot of bad news already priced into sterling. To try and mitigate the risks, we have di- globally diversified portfolios. Even the UK itself is a relatively diversified marketplace. A lot of global international multinationals just happen to be based in the UK. So, you get these translation effects where, for example, if you are GlaxoSmithKline or if you're one of the, the oil companies, most of your revenue is going to be in dollars. If sterling falls 10%, well, but all those revenues are suddenly worth overnight about 10% more. So you get those translational effects as well. Where it is having an impact is on the domestic market. Uh, When you have this uncertainty, markets hate uncertainty, businesses hate uncertainty. And what we're starting to see now businesses, because they don't know what's going to happen, they're holding off investment that's hitting sentiment. Now, that could go one of two ways. If there's no resolution, that could manifest into sort of a semi-permanent impairment, and that, that sort of demand never really returns. Conversely, if there is a deal, a sort of soft Brexit or hard Brexit, you might see a lot of that pent-up demand being released and it could be a short-term boost. So really, it's at this stage, it's about getting some certainty in any of the myriad directions there are. It's the continued uncertainty that I think is doing harm to, to the domestic economy.
0: So we're likely to see that uncertainty continue for the next couple of months until we, we know what's going to happen at, with Brexit. But where there's also uncertainty is more globally between kind of the US and China you know we talked a lot about trade wars last year you know will that continue into this year what what's our outlook on on that
1: political uncertainty remains elevated across the world i think the rise of of populist powers, and populist regimes in all sorts of countries. Interestingly, as we've talked to to many clients before about the politics of the disenfranchised, what we're seeing is not a shift to the left or right, it's a way from the centre, it's towards more extreme left uh, and more extremes on the right. The biggest issues is probably, or probably relate to the US-China spat. I think other issues are relatively localised. Even Brexit, in some sense, is a manifestation of some of these political concerns. Um, But it is the US-China spat that really does have global ramifications. And I think there's a couple of directions this is likely to take as we stand today, the weakness in markets, particularly in the fourth quarter last year, if anything, that could well be the catalyst to prompt the Trump administration to come up with some sort of deal and manufacture a short-term win. And if that does happen, that could see a resolution on particularly some of the tariff wars. And that could be a spur to market one of the catalysts that we might see in 2019 being some sort of deal coming out. Of course, that's not going to fix the bigger problems. Some of the more strategic issues between the US and China relate to issues such as uh, perceived theft of intellectual property, forced technology transfer, those issues aren't going to go away and will probably um, stay in the mix for some time. But any resolution of that trade war, in, certainly in terms of tariffs in the short term, could be a catalyst for markets, I'd say.
0: And on, on China specifically, do you think we will continue to see you know slow down, the slowdown coming out of China? And how do you think that will impact um, markets?
1: I think it's going to be very difficult for China to to avoid any sort of slowdown uh, and actually the authorities in China have been quite open about this. So from here on out I think it's about managing that slowdown. Uh, growth GDP growth has slipped from double digits uh, a couple of years ago to between six and seven now. It's heading now towards the bottom level of of six. The indications are that six is the level we think they're targeting. If we see it dropping below that, then they might introduce more stimulus. That stimulus is likely to be in the form of targeted fiscal stimulus. So not trying to restart the economy, which is what you do after a typical crash, but really trying to mitigate that slowdown. And interestingly, what we have seen, certainly over the last year, a shift in where that fiscal stimulus has been historically, if China or, in fact, many other countries want to stimulate the economy with fiscal stimulus, it's about building projects, it's building roads, it's building bridges, it's building railways. It's quick, it's immediate. You're putting money directly into the economy. What we're now seeing is the Chinese authorities being a bit tighter with their their fiscal policy. It's more about personal taxation, the sort of taxation we're used to here in the UK. It's about personal tax allowances, the level of taxation at the individual level. Now that ties very closely closely in with the attempt of China to shift from being led by investment to more domestic consumption, which is good in the long term. In the short term, though, it takes longer to get through. Changes to personal taxation has a longer lead time than if you just go and say you're going to build a bridge. So, we're likely to see more targeted fiscal stimulus. It will probably take this different form and and take longer to get in. That's good in the long term, but ultimately, in the short term, it is there to try and manage this slowdown.
0: Thank you, Ben. Just kind of skipping back, we talked earlier about politics. One of the kind of questions I get asked about a lot by clients, um, going back domestically, is actually, you know, what what would happen if there was a change of government? We have a general election and we found that Corbyn was to to come in as prime minister. How would that impact portfolios?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of clients have asked about this. We actually wrote a note on this last year. None of the fundamentals have actually changed. As a house, we are apolitical. But what we can do is reflect on market perceptions of different policies. And particularly, if you look at Jeremy Corbyn's policies, particularly in his manifesto, there's a lot about increasing infrastructure spending, increasing borrowing, and raising corporation tax. And broadly, those are likely to be perceived as pretty negative for pretty much all sterling assets. So that is unlikely to be positive for sterling. There is a nuance with sterling. If uh, a Jeremy Corbyn-led government, as we know, Jeremy Corbyn is not particularly pro-EU himself, but the broader party is seen as more pro-EU and arguably for a softer Brexit. Some of that uh, difference of opinion might lead to to some brief respite in sterling. But more broadly, if you look at equities, it's unlikely to be good for equities. We mentioned earlier how. A lot of companies in the UK tend to get these transactional benefits, so if sterling falls, their overseas earnings are worth more, and that helps protect them against some movements in the currency. The problem if you're hitting the tax base, regardless if you're a multinational, if your company is headquartered in the UK, you're part of the UK tax base, and any change to corporation tax Rising in corporation tax impacts earnings. That's likely to be negative for UK equities. It's likely also to be negative for government bonds as that increased borrowing and increased infrastructure spending is not likely to be taken well by the bond vigilantes.
0: Thank you. And you, you talked earlier about interest rates. I think again, just thinking of what clients talk to us about is you know where they can achieve income from portfolios. You know, typically you would look to bonds. Um, Historically, for the last few years, we've had very low interest rates, which hasn't been good for income investors. What's our view on where clients can achieve income from portfolios? Where should we be looking?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's an important point to make around government policy and central bank policy. This idea that quantitative easing, ultra-loose monetary policy has saved markets. Well, it might have helped boost asset prices, but it has caused a lot of problems for those seeking income. uh, And there's no outlook in the short term that those bond yields are going to rise uh, anytime soon. So, it does make it a lot difficult to find income. Um, The harsh reality is in order to achieve a level of income that you may have had pre-global financial crisis, it is very difficult to do that without increasing the level of risk in the portfolio. So, that's an important conversation to have with your investment manager or your financial advisor. Uh, A lot is going to be in equities. There are corporate bonds, so you can move into other parts of fixed income. In corporate bonds, you do have a higher level of risks. You're taking on credit risk from that company. Um, But for that risk, you're you're taking on a slightly higher return potential. So, areas of the market, corporate credit tends to be short dated to avoid uh, exposure to rising interest rates and trying to really clip that coupon. property market offers some potential. Again, there are risks in the property market. We saw in 2016 when the EU referendum happened, a lot of the bricks and mortar funds were forced to close because of redemptions. That is a risk. And part of the return you get for investing in that asset class is the illiquidity premium. So, unfortunately, it is about some of these other asset classes, but ultimately with interest rates where they are until they increase to get a a meaningful income, it does involve going uh, further up the risk spectrum.
0: So clearly there's, you know, lots of things for us to think about for 2019. Um, as an investment director managing client portfolios, it's something that we're always thinking about. Um, but what would be really helpful is is to really talk about some of the kind of positives, where we think that there will be um, positive returns or where we think that there is valuation, attractive entry points um, for portfolios.
1: Absolutely. And I think the, the, the points we really raised earlier around... Complacency and volatility. It's important to remember volatility is healthy in equity markets. And because of all the central bank money over the last few years, markets got a little complacent. And valuation is one of the most important disciplines. And I think as we start 2019, no one can say that equity markets are complacent anymore. So equities do look more attractive, largely on valuation grounds. Fundamentals have continued to grow. Actually, the earnings growth outlook is much more positive than it has been for the last 10 years. Earnings growth expectations for this year and the next couple of years are several times the the trend growth rate we've had over the last 10 years and if you look at valuations it's the first time for many years that on several different measures equities actually look cheaper than their long run average we've had many years where markets have looked expensive but people invested despite that expense now they're finally looking cheap if you look on our strategic model that looks back over the last 10 years trend growth cyclically adjusted pe in many parts of the world is now below its 10 year average but also on a tactical basis on a forward looking measure forward price to earnings ratios are also below their long-term averages. And that is an attractive entry point, particularly in markets such as the UK. For higher risk investors, emerging markets do have some potential, but they are higher risk markets and they're not without their own um, particular risks. But given that equity markets are broadly 10 to 20% cheaper, that in itself is attractive. Fundamentals are are growing. And even within fixed income, if you can avoid being overly exposed to interest rate sensitivity, so that means being short dated, clipping those coupons, those are attractive markets as well.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Especially, I guess, while interest rates alone not getting much income elsewhere, you know, it's much more attractive. Um, So, that's a really helpful summary. Um, I don't know if you want to do a quick summary at the end of, of what our kind of key points are for 2019?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there are attractive markets out there, but it is going to be hard going. It's always important to have a diversified portfolio. What you'll see on the news is equity markets being volatile. Remember, in a diversified portfolio, there will be other assets in there to try and mitigate that and smooth the ride. The key point's through the next 12 months, I would say, particularly around central bank activity, a lot of central banks are now moving back from tightening too aggressively. And the important thing is to look at the change in their language. It's the small details that means nothing uh, to, to most normal human beings, it means a lot to, to geeks that, that look at these sort of things, including myself. It's the change in the language. So, for example, some of the changes we've seen recently, when uh, the ECB president, Mario Draghi, talks about risks being finally balanced, and now risks moving to the downside. A small tweak in language, but that's an important signalling mechanism. Um, Draghi's also, his new buzz phrase, continued confidence with increased caution. It's going to be all these minute details coming out in press releases from the central banks. Uh, The other points we're looking at, wages. Wage growth has been picking up. That's a key inflation indicator. And if inflation starts to get uh, out of control or heating up, that could be a broader risk also some of the forward looking business surveys that we're watching closely pmis which is purchasing manager indices they are forward looking measures anything above 50 indicates growth below contraction those have been cooling those will be sort of key watch points through the next 12 months but as it stands the fundamentals are solid if we do see it change certainly we'd be prepared to act
0: Great. Well, thank you very much, Ben. That was really helpful. I hope everyone else has found it helpful um, and do get in touch if you've got any queries. Any thanks.